your, your mouth, your mouth. My mother used to tell me when I was a kid growing up, she'd tell me all this all the time. She said, Scott, your mouth is going to cause you the most problems in your whole life. And, and she was right. I'm not saying she was wrong. Um, actually, the way she used to say it was, that hole in your face is going to cause you problems. And then I would say something like, what, these two are these? Or, you know, and that's not, I don't suggest that. Um, <clears throat> nowadays, kids can say that stuff. You didn't say that stuff to my parents. You know, I say these things, I even, I say, and parents nowadays think I am joking. Or, I, or I'm, guys, I never one time to my father, you can ask him. He comes here. He may not remember totally, but you can ask him. He will come here. Uh, but if I, if I, as a teenager, let's say, junior high, don't matter. If I went, that's all it took. If I would have gone, my dad would have knocked me out. You think I am playing. You think I am joking. My mom was the worst. She didn't like me getting smart aleck with her. She was the worst. And until I was about probably uh, 13, she was like in our height range because she's four foot. She was. Well, not four foot. What was she? Four ten. I took ten inches away right there. Um, she was four ten. So, and her arms are like this long. But, man, them things were fast and they were powerful. You couldn't see them. <laughs> I was a pop. Um, but it's, it's amazing to me nowadays how kids just run their mouths and they say stuff and and, and not, not because they're joking. Or that's not what I'm kind of trying to say. I let my kids have a lot of leeway that way. But smart aleck attitude, I didn't let my kids do that. There's a difference between smart aleck and they're joking. You understand the difference. But, uh, man, I did not let my kids do that stuff. And I watch kids now talk to their parents like they are trash. In such a way that if I'm going to school, this, now schools change this way too, but if it's, if it's teenager to teenager and somebody talked to me that way, I'd have knocked them out. And they're talking to their parents this way. Um, I'm going I'm to do a whole sermon series about our mouths and gossip and, and, and coarse talk and all this kind of stuff because I, I think it's one of the things that kind of has snuck into the church and become um, acceptable all over the church. Uh, it's just acceptable. We can gossip about each other. It doesn't matter. Say things, it doesn't matter. At least when I was growing up, they would say, now I'm not one to gossip, before they would gossip. Nowadays, we don't, we don't even put that disclaimer in there. We just gossip. Uh, but I, I'm going to do that because I've just been thinking about this, her mouths running and all this kind of stuff. But um, I, uh, I, 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 every time I, it gets to the point where I think about our country and about our leadership, when I think to myself, well, surely they won't do that. That's just, that's just a bridge too far. They won't do that. Ten. Ten Republicans. Here's the thing with me. Doug Lamborn stood strong. You guys know that, did you? Were you paying attention to that? A congressman, I'd vote them out. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they stand on anything. If they're not even going to uphold the basic decency of the presidency... The office of the president, I, I vote him out. Didn't, it didn't matter. You're done. You are done. And those 10 Republicans are dead to me. I won't even, if there's like a group of Republican congressmen, if they're in the picture, I won't even see them. Um, literally, when you think it gets too far in, in our country, guys, you understand, I've been saying this since the very beginning, since last January, February, when all that stuff rolled out. If you, if you can't see this, I, I, I don't know how to say this without, without some condemnation thrown in there. I don't, it's not my goal. But if you can't see this, you're spiritually blind that this is a spiritual attack on our country and that Satan is trying to destroy the very foundation of who we are take away everything of our country, and send us. Yeah, Satan is not a socialist or a Marxist or a communist. He's a liar and evil, and those are the systems that work best when you're, when you're um, led by Satan. It's much more difficult for Satan to operate in capitalism when you've got godly leadership somewhere in the mix. 
Because it's why? It's the will of the people. In other words, as a Christian, I can make my own decisions. As a Christian, I can choose things. I can do stuff. I can, and, and if you're not a Christian, you still have the free choice to do whatever you want to. But when you move into Marxism, you've got to take God out. That's why, well, socialism even so, but, but we're, I think we're already blowing way past socialism. I think we're going all the way into to Marxism, and, and then it, we will end up in communism when this happens. You've got to take God out of those pictures. Because you cannot have God in those scenarios. Because you could have a small group of people that are deciding something for everybody, and those people are corrupt to begin with, or they wouldn't have chose that system. People say, well, no, socialism will work if you've got good leaders. Good leaders don't choose socialism. They don't choose Marxism. They don't choose communism. And so, yeah, we, we, are, we are quickly becoming defunct. Now, we'll say, and I've been, I said it Sunday, I'll say it again, um, January 20 is not here yet. I don't know, I told, I told my kids, I said, you know, it's going to get a little weird if one little thing happens, because there's so much stuff on social media, so much goofiness or something, if one little thing happens right now, it doesn't matter what it is, everybody's going to rush the grocery stores and all this stuff. So I told my kids, I said, just go get a little extra food. So my son keeps saying, because my oldest, because he's not, he, you just, whatever. So um, he's not all in with everything dad thinks all the time. Uh, my second son's like leading the charge. Like, come on, dad, let's beat up our older brother. You know, that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, but he keeps telling me, so dad, when this civil war doesn't happen, I said, I didn't say it was a civil war, son. I said, if one little thing happens, it's a powder keg right now, everything's going to go nuts. Just get a couple bag of beans, do something. So he went and got beans and a bag of rice and took a picture of it. And he said, because I love dad. That's the only reason I bought this. I'm like, whatever it takes, moron. So he keeps telling me, he says, if this civil war doesn't blow up, if we don't have a civil war, are you going to pay for my beans? I told him, I'll, I'll send you $6. And you better send me those beans. It's, um, it's just a little, you know, I'll tell you as I'm jumping, because I'm, I'm just wandering right now. I'll tell you a little story. My son said something. This is actually profound, okay? He was very profound, but he's also an idiot at the same time. So this is my middle son that comes here. They're, they're wonderful. They, my boys know me. It's, it's, my, my wife always has to say this and tell me this when I get home. Not everybody knows how much you love your children, and they don't know the relationship you have with your boys. I have an amazing relationship with all my children, but I don't mind calling them idiots, okay? That's just the way it is in my family. Um, my second son was sitting there Sunday morning. He tells me, he said, did you know this lady came and gave Jonathan, our oldest, gave Jonathan $1,000? I said, I didn't know that. Apparently Linda did, but I didn't know that. It just happened a couple days before that. And Jonathan was telling Isaac, my second son, and he said, man, it's amazing. And Isaac said, Jonathan, you know why. You know why God does that. Is do, I mean, you know why that's happening. He didn't say God. He said, you know why that happened, don't you? Jonathan said, no, why? Because you tithe, Jonathan. You tithe and God blesses you. And I'm, I'm sitting there with him I'm like, he's getting it. I love this kid. He's getting it. And then he said, now, he started tithing recently, not too long ago, okay? Like within this year, all right? <laughs> <laughs> he started tithing. But he tells me, he said, I told Jonathan, you know why that happened? Because you're tithing. Is anybody walking up to my house and giving me $1,000? No. You figure that out. Okay. All right. Let's go to Revelation. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 20. Guys, I, I, you know I say this stuff all the time. I pick on us and I... And I and I, there's just a few little drums that I beat to death. I don't, I'm not like a very great, diverse preacher. I understand that. But I think a lot of things people preach about are a waste of time. Um, I, I, saw this, I saw this church do this whole sermon series one time on angels. And I kept thinking to myself, is there really that much information I need to know about angels? I mean, really. There are whole books. There's everything about angels. Who cares? I've got a guardian angel. He's probably with me most of the time. I mean, there's all kinds. There are feathers. And all, I mean, it's just, I don't know. If you like that, go at it. But man, I just don't care that much about angels. 
That's my phone. I do care greatly about Jesus. Tell me stuff all day long about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so there's no confusion. I don't, it's not bad to study angels, right? It's not bad. A couple of them even had names. That's cool. Um, right? I just want to make sure. Okay, so, but there's a, there's a lot of things that, that, that are there, that are out in the system and all kinds of stuff. I haven't known, then you guys have been around here a long time, you know, I'll do series on mental health and stuff like that because there's some very important things. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our minds and our, and our feelings, our emotions, our psyche also. That's what uh, Isaiah says. And there's a lot of stuff. So I'll do things like that. And I, but, but I'm always going to come back to the same three or four basic things. The, the, the two greatest commandments is the, the defining thing. Love God with everything about you. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm starting this weekend. I'm going I'm to start doing not a series really. But over the next few months, I'm going to speak mostly about, with some intermittent in and outs, I'm going to be speaking mostly about the kingdom of God and you and I being part of the kingdom of God to the point where we've got to start thinking, acting, speaking, preparing our lives, mentalities, studying scripture and stuff as um, the uh, priesthood, okay, uh, that that you and I are part of the, the priesthood, and we got to think that way. And just a little sentences here, there in Scripture, where it says the church in this person's house. That's what I'm talking about. Because we don't know where the church is going. We don't know where society is going in the next three or four years. And I want you to be very equipped and ready if for some reason um, church has to go underground. You're the pastor. Okay, we're going we're gonna to meet here as long as we possibly can. Okay, don't confuse that. We're going to meet here as long as we possibly can. But there may be a moment when we can't. Um, and you've got to go underground. Well, you need to know how to be a pastor to do that. You need to, and you think, well, yeah, you know, you just what? But, but here's the thing, guys. The church in America is not, we've done the opposite of that. And it's by design, by the way. The church in America has not prepared us to be part of the priesthood and to be leaders in the kingdom of God and to be voices and to be studiers and to be rightly dividing the word of God. They have not trained us. They've trained us to come to their church and sit in their seats and, and spectate. And we've been trained to do that for so long. It's extremely unhealthy. Um, which is, by the, re by the way, some of the reason why some people... Don't, it's a small thing, I don't want to make this about me, but why some people will, will not come to a church like ours and listen to a guy like me. Because I'm, I, we're, I, you're not a, you're going to be very uncomfortable being a spectator for very long in Church of Barricade. You've got to do something, you've got to engage, you've got to minister, you've got to, you've got to pray with people, you've got to do stuff, those kind of things. I mean, so that's where I'm going over the next few months, you'll, you'll see that really clearly. We've got some, I'm, I'm excited about some of the stuff that God's showing me there, but but uh, how many of you enjoyed, really enjoyed the, uh, the prayer time at the end of service Sunday? Didn't you? Guys, it just moved me. For two or three days now, it's just been moving my spirit. Listening, thinking about some of the prayers that you guys prayed. And, and um, man, powerful. Just, just powerful stuff. I, I, um, somebody, somebody that was there the first week, remember it was, it's, they visited this Sunday their first time. And they said, man, there is a lot of solid, mature believers in this church. And I said, not really. <laughs> Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. We're going to read through this. We're going to analyze a little bit of it. Um, and then next week, uh, unless something changes, next week uh, we're going to go through Revelation 21. Um, because that's kind of where the next step, this kind of is the, this kind of is the, ooh, downhill, and then 21 is the uphill, like, ooh, excited, or actually in a road course, it's the other, this is kind of the climb uphill, and then we go downhill uh, in verse 21, but it says, then I saw the angel coming down from the heaven with the key to the bottomless pit, and a heavy chain in his hand, he sees the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. What, what happened immediately before this? A few things. Um, Jesus did, yes. Uh, I, heard, I think I heard somebody say, Battle of Armageddon happened right before this. Okay? Um, and, and, and it's a weird to me, but Satan somehow convinces, like, it's, it's becoming less and less weird to me. 
uh, Satan somehow convinced most of the world, not all, but most of the world to fight against Jesus. And then, this, this is always the part that gets me. Then Jesus comes riding through the clouds on a horse. That should be enough. Shouldn't it? You see Jesus busting through the clouds on a horse? At that point, you're like, I think I'm on the wrong side. But then it describes him. His eyes are like um, uh, rays of fire, or however it says that. Uh, out of his mouth is a sword. On this, I mean, some of this is um, uh, uh, allegory. That, that's not the right word, is it? Imagery. Some of this is imagery, but but it's true too. At the same time, when it says that a sword's coming out of Jesus' mouth, I don't think a metal sword's coming out of his mouth, but. But remember, he is the word, and the sword is the word, and he is the one who speaks everything into existence, and it cuts like a sword backwards and forwards. And so uh, when he's speaking as he's coming out of the clouds, it's cutting like a sword. And I think John's like, the best way I can describe this is a sword, right? At that point, there should be people saying, I'm on the wrong team. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, it's not just the deception; it's the fact that the evil in their heart helped them choose the deception. It's not just deception within itself. There's a video. Um, yeah, some, somebody said to me yesterday, I think, um, or it was today, uh, said, um, dad, I don't know for sure that Biden won. I mean, that Biden lost this thing. I know there was corruption, but I don't think I said, um, I'm trying to keep this anonymous, but I said, oldest son, (laughs) you're missing you're not paying attention. But he's the kind, he doesn't look at news, he doesn't care about that stuff, he's in his own world, that's how he is. And I, and I said, you're, you're deceived. They've, 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 they've uh, certified the fact that 432,000 votes were taken from Biden to Trump in Pennsylvania. That, that is proved out, it is, it is documented and proved, and nobody is denying it. So, so yeah, but, but remember, it's not just deception within itself. This kind of deception, and I'll take this, I'll use this um, election as the example of this. If you don't think there's corruption in this election, if you don't think, you don't have to go all the way to the point to say, I think Trump won. But if you don't think there's any deception or anything in this, it is, it is, the, it is somewhere down inside your spirit, it's broken, and that's why you're accepting the deception. The, the, it says in the last days they will believe a lie. That means they voluntarily choose, while knowing it's a lie, they voluntarily choose to believe that lie. And so, um, video notwithstanding, uh, yeah, I mean, the corruption, and then, and then the evil, the corruption in our spirit, not the corruption in politics, but the, but the, the, the evil in our spirit that we're letting grow, and, and, and the darkness is maybe a better way to say it, they're letting grow and grow and grow and grow lets us buy into more and more and more and more. I have actually met people that, that um, at least at surface level, I have a hard time believing this at a core level, but at least at surface level, they believe that abortion's okay. At, a core, at, a, at, a, at, a, at least a surface level, and you can discuss it. And really, now, somewhere down inside their spirit, I, just, I know that Paul says that you have a conscience, unless that conscience has been seared, your conscience, which is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, it's the conduit, the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you still know at the end of the day that it's wrong. Same reason I say for atheists, I don't believe there's such a thing as an atheist, because I believe the Holy Spirit shows them they're wrong. But they can hold on to it and verbalize it all day long. And so I, I, I do believe the battle of Armageddon, why Satan can convince these people, is because they have been under his control for so long and so many different layers and all that. And yes, they know it's a lie, but they're choosing to believe it. They, if they're believing it, they're buying it. And it just grows. It grows like a fungus in their spirit, and they can't get it out. And so when Jesus comes breaking through the clouds, they're like, I'm kind of on this boat. I'm going to ride it out. And, and 
which is sad because I, I don't think uh, millions, I don't even think hundreds of millions, I think billions of people die in the Battle of Armageddon. When you see this biblical description, and it kind of sealed the deal with me when I, when I was in Israel and I looked across um, the Valley of Megiddo. It's so big. It's so it's not like a creek. And and potentially billions of people are dying in this battle. So then we come straight into this. Angel comes down. It's not even Jesus. This, this ought to encourage you a little bit. When you think Satan is so big, there's been times in my life when I thought I just can't I can't defeat Satan here. He's just too big. He's too powerful with temptation or something else. I just can't defeat him. This isn't even Jesus. This is an angel that comes down and wraps him up in chains. You realize Jesus has more power in his little finger than Satan and all of Satan's forces put together. He created them. So the angel comes down. He sees the dragon, bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit. You know that's not hell, right? Okay. He threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years was finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Why would would God release him for a little while at the end of the thousand years? Because at first glance, you're like, that's a bad idea, God. I don't know where your head's at with that one, God. Why would he release Satan at the end of this thousand years? What's that? I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah, sifting, the way he talks to Peter. Remember, um, Jesus wants a bride. I mentioned this Sunday, Jesus wants a bride that loves him, is faithful to him. He doesn't want a bride that, that has no other options. That, that's kind of the opposite of how we think, right, nowadays? That's the opposite of how we think? Um, when I was a younger man, specifically when Linda and I were dating, and then maybe the first couple of years we were married, if uh, somebody looked at, some guy looked at Linda the wrong way, man, it'd really get me upset. I wouldn't do anything. I was a youth pastor, you know, and I'd lose my papers. And so I wouldn't do anything, but it'd make me mad. Why is he looking at her that way? Did you see that guy looking at you? And, and usually she was oblivious, or at least she told me she was oblivious. But here's the thing with that is, here, here's the reality, and I think this is a spiritual thing we could figure out. There are 7 billion people on the planet, and Linda said yes to me. Right? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I wrap myself up with that and just stay there? Jesus said yes to us, or he, we said yes to him. But he died on the cross to ask us for our hand in marriage, if you want to say it that way. He died on the cross to ask us to be his bride. Shouldn't you just stay there? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a good place to be? And Jesus doesn't want us to have no other options. It's a, it's a positive thing. In fact, this is one of the, the biggest things that I've thought over the years is... Um, when it comes to Jesus and comes to marriage, those kind of things, it's one thing for your spouse to say to you when nobody's around, I love you. Uh, you're the prettiest or the best looking thing there is on the planet. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, hey, what's for dinner? You know, but when they, when, there's one thing to say all that behind closed doors. But doesn't it mean more when you're out in public and that is said? See, here's one of the things the church has done for a long time. We come into the house behind closed doors, and we say, Jesus, I love you. But we don't say it to him publicly out in front of other people. And the way that we say that out in front of other people is Jesus is amazing. He died for you. So, so we, we love on the groom when, when, when there's no chance of being seen or being embarrassed. And some people even struggle doing that within the body of Christ. Even in, even in worship services, when everybody's worshiping and most everybody's got their eyes closed, they're scared to death to raise their hands or clap their hands or sing or anything else because, the, or, or cry, you know? 
I've had so many guys over the years say to me, I'll never go to a men's retreat because men just sit around and cry. Well, first, you're very immature if that's the case. Let's just start there. The height of spiritual immaturity and physical immaturity is great within you. But at the other side, we don't really do that at men's retreats. That's women's retreats. I mean, there may be a time when a guy's praying and he's crying or something like that at men's retreats, but it just doesn't happen that often. I can't remember the last time we just had a big old snot fest at a men's retreat. But, but guys are scared to death. But what are they really scared of? They're saying crying or praying. or What, what are they really scared of? Huh? Yeah, God knows it here. Yeah, it, the Holy Spirit doing something. They're scared to death to let the Holy Spirit do something in their life. Let go. It's, it's scary. If we can't do it in here, how are we going to do it out there? And by the way, which do you think Jesus likes more? Us worshiping him in here or telling somebody about him out there? Right? I mean, to me, this is kind of common sense. I, 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 I want Linda to shout from the rooftops how amazing I am to everybody around her. If she never tells me, I'm okay. That's not true. I'm very insecure. <laughs> okay. Afterward, he must be released for a little while so that, so that we know and that Jesus knows we're, we're his, okay? I, I do need to preface this. The people that come into the, the um, uh, millennial reign as Christians are not going to be the ones that are going to be tested at that moment. A thousand years is a long time. Uh, people still have the ability to procreate during the millennial reign, okay? Those, those children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren, it's a thousand years, they're the, they're the ones that, that Jesus wants to know, do they belong to him? If you go into the, to the uh, millennial reign as a Christian, you're good. And, and one of the reasons is because most of the people going to the millennial reign were dead and resurrected. Okay? We'll see that. And then I saw the thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. <clears throat> and I saw the... So what, what are they judging? Who are these people and why are they judging? <clears throat> Any ideas? I saw the thrones, that means more than one, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. Any idea what it is? Who, who, the, the Trinity has got to be part of it, right? But I think the fact that it says they were given the authority to judge means they're not the front and center of this. The 24 elders, is, to me, has got to be the only people that fall into this category because there's nobody else in Revelation that are talking about sitting on thrones. But we do see the 24 elders. Now, who are the 24 elders? 12 apostles. 12 tribes. <clears throat> 12 tribes of the Old Testament. Right? And they're sitting there to judge. So what would they possibly be judging? <clears throat> well, it actually kind of told us already. I think the way I'm asking it sounds more cryptic than it is. But they're judging these people that are coming out of the millennial reign. Did they stand strong with Jesus or did they not stand strong with Jesus? Right? Okay. Now, they're not making the final authority judge. That's the, that's the judgment seat. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and I saw the souls. I love the fact that he says souls here because um, he, he's not talking about the physical. If he says souls... What, what is not there? The body. But <clears throat> he can still tell who they are, which means it's, um, they, they've died and resurrected. They're, they're in this process of new body mentality, right? Okay. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. <clears throat> I, I believe most of the people that get beheaded in the New Testament are beheaded, or in, in, in a society, are beheaded in the tribulation. Okay? This is, this is the part where it, you just you don't want to play around with this. And this is all the, also the part where I, I um, 
so if I'm going to waver any on, on a pre-tribulation, I'm, I'm strong pre-tribulation rapture. If I'm going to waver any, it's going to be right here in these few sentences and few paragraphs. Because there's, a, there's, a, there's something to me that seems to be missing. I don't have enough information for something. Okay? Because it appears that anybody that has ever been beheaded is going to go into this, <clears throat> um, to this uh, um, moment here. But then we see where people that are beheaded in the tribulation, that's about the only way you can get out of the tribulation. The second three and a half years, that's about the only way you can get out of the tribulation that I see in Scripture is by beheading. You, you don't, unless you just die naturally or something like that. But I don't even think that's possible per se if you read some of this right. I'm, I'm going off on tangents right now. But beheading is how the, the, the Christians make it out of the tribulation. So here's the thing is I know that people get saved during the tribulation, Right? Because that's got to be who these people are. But it appears to be that nobody else is here except the beheaded. Which to me would lean way more toward um, <clears throat> a post-tribulation rapture. Because who are all these people getting beheaded to the exclusion of all the Christians that were raptured? Okay. Now I do have some other things we could put in there. This is, I'm not going to open all this up tonight. I'm just saying this is the only place I have pause. I'm still pre-tribulation rapture, but this one gives me a little bit of pause. Except for the fact that we've got other things going on uh, during the tribulation, like the marriage supper of the Lamb and stuff like that. So that's who's going there. They're raptured and all this kind of stuff. So then my question becomes, what happens to those people? Because it doesn't look like they're part of the millennial reign crowd. That's all I'm saying. That was, I man, I made that very convoluted. So... <clears throat> All right, so here we go. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. That's, that's not just had your head cut off, but specific, not like beheaded in a car accident, but, but because you're serving Jesus and you're proclaiming Jesus. You get a special place in eternity. It is very clear in Scripture, very clear throughout the book of Revelation that you get a very special place in eternity, um, an honor or whatever for being beheaded for, the, for this message of Christ. The first thing I thought about, what was it, four or five years ago, when they took all those Christians down, the, the uh, Muslims took all the Christians down by the lakeside and, and, and cut, cut their heads, slit their throats. And they were singing the whole time, singing hymns. Does that get any, under anybody else's skin but mine? I don't know who I am in that moment. I knew who I want to be, and I knew who I think I would be, but I haven't been in that moment. I don't know who I am in that moment. I, I, does cutting your throat hurt? I mean, think about that. I've had Christians for years say that when Stephen was getting stoned, God kept him from being hurt. Where do you get that from Scripture? It doesn't say that. It just doesn't say that. In fact, when the heavens open and Jesus stands, I believe this is what's happening. If, you do, if you're not sure what I'm talking about here, go and read this. When the heavens opens, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, but, but it says that he's standing in this particular point of Scripture. It doesn't say it anywhere else, just this place. In other words, I think he stood in honor of Stephen. Why? Because Stephen was going through stoning. And he was the first guy to say, my life is nothing in comparison to who Jesus is. Remember, how does, how does the church defeat Satan, according to Romans 12? By the blood of the Lamb, their word of their testimony. Do you, do you see that right here? Serving Jesus and telling others about him. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. But here is the way that the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony is solidified through difficult times, dangerous times, um, all kinds of other things, is because they didn't. Uh, they love not their lives even to death. They love Jesus more than they love their physical life. And they're willing to die for Jesus Christ. You get a special place of honor for that. I mean, you're in heaven and you're going to be ruling and reign with him and all kinds of stuff uh, for living for him through your life. Yes. But guys, we gotta, we got to kind of own this a little bit in America. We have it way easier than most countries in the world. Not, not just uh, economically, but I'm saying spiritually. We have it way easy. We have it so easy 
that there are many people that don't even know they're not Christians. They've had it so easy. Right? And, and so the people that are beheaded, the martyrs, there's a special, there's a special honor for them. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue. <clears throat> now that's an interesting thing for me. Because I do believe that mostly what he's talking about here is, and, and potentially exclusively what he's talking about here, is the people that are beheaded during the tribulation. <clears throat> and then he says, and part of the reason I would say that is because he says they didn't worship the beast. Satan is not always called that through Scripture. That We're seeing the beast, the antichrist, the false prophet. We're seeing those terms very specific toward the end of, of Scripture in the book of Revelation. There's a couple, there's, there's a lot more than a couple. There's other references, but they don't always use terms like, and never use a term like the uh, false prophet or the antichrist, but things like the beast and stuff you do see. But it says here that they had not worshipped the beast or his statue. Now think about this, because in most um, eschatology books, I, I don't see the statue talked about much. Right? That somewhere in this uh, tribulation time frame, not only do you have the false miracles and you've got the Antichrist and all this other stuff, but somewhere there's a statue. I, let, let me posit this. Is there a possibility that the statue is, is related to the abomination of desecration? Or, or the abomination of desolation? They're both talked about. De both words are used. Is there a possibility the statue is there? So here's my thing in today's society. What is that statue going to look like? We see through Scripture where we see statues raised and people were supposed to bow down, like Daniel, three Hebrew children, those kind of things. But what is that going to look like today? Is there a possibility it could look a little different? Right? Here's one just to throw this out here. Um, Larry Biquette wrote When Your Money Fails years ago, back in the 70s, 80s, that time frame. And he was saying things like credit cards and barcodes and stuff way before people were really getting and understanding what credit cards and barcodes were and stuff. And he's talking about the mark of the beast. And so for, for decades now, we've said that the mark of the beast is going to be like a, a scan, a barcode or something like that, or a credit card or something else. Guys, with some of our new technology, you know that's kind of going by the wayside. That's not, that's not where we really are when it comes to this mark of the beast thing. Okay, when they're talking about putting microchips inside your skin. Um, and, and now we're even seeing stuff like nanotechnology that says you don't need a microchip, you just need a bunch of stuff flowing around in your blood that will mark you as who you are, bank accounts and everything else. We're seeing that technology um, possible now. We're not there, but it's very possible. Where there are, instead of a microchip where you could see or feel right here, um, they, they would put it in your hand, but it goes through your blood system and your blood, you walk through a sensor and, and that sensor immediately knows everything about you. Um, all your medical history, financial history, everything. Okay? Um, so, so at some particular point, we're just getting to a place now where I think you have to be very careful with what, not just our government, but the world. Pay attention to the world. Pay attention to the United Nations, those kind of things. It's not just American government. Satan is trying to deceive the whole world, not just America. And we get caught up so much sometimes in just what is happening in America that we lose sight of the world. We lose sight of, I, I was talking with, with a couple of people Sunday morning after church about Iran. I said, you know, Iran's been um, attacking and bombing Israel again. And they didn't, they didn't know that. And, and I, I've asked three or four other people, did you know that this is going? No, we don't know that. Because why? America doesn't care. America's not talking about it. But it's interesting to me that, that, that Iran starts attacking and really ramping up uh, the week of the Electoral College vote. Why? Because Iran is scared to death of Trump. Uh, Iran is not scared at all of any kind of uh, Democrat um, uh, system. President, doesn't matter whether he's male or female, um, Biden or Harris, whichever one ends up 
If I'm Biden, man, I hire a separate whole set of security. Right? Yeah, I do believe it's too late. He, they've already got Biden figured. They, they already have a, Biden's history is already written. Not history. What do you call it when you're going forward? Future. Biden's future is already written. But here's the thing is we're, we're, we're seeing this. You guys don't make fun of me. Sometimes I say things. Remember, I'm insecure. So look at this. They, they had not worshipped the beast or his statue. This statue is going to play a role. And the statue, I believe, is going to play a role in, in a way that I think when, as it's happening, we're going to go, oh, wow, okay, that makes a lot more sense. In a way that just a statue being built right now wouldn't quite make sense. All right? I don't believe that most of the world would bow down to a statue. Um. But somehow this statue and the deception and everything else we've already talked about is going to lead them to that place. Nor accepted his mark on their forehead or their hands. <clears throat> now remember, where did the mark on the forehead originate? <clears throat> when well, I, You guys have to talk louder when you say things. The, uh, <clears throat> it starts way before that. When does the mark on the forehead start? Yes, ma'am. That that was that was why they did it, but that's not where the the mark on their foreheads was actually done by God. You guys know as soon as I start going, you oh yeah, not Cain and Abel. Later than that, okay, I'll tell you. Um, <clears throat> you talked me into it. I'll tell you. Uh, when God had Ezekiel fly through the temple. Remember he picked and he says, I'm going to judge the people and I'm going to start the judging in the temple. And he said, um, Ezekiel, I want you to go uh, mark the foreheads of this group of people. And they will anywhere, anytime that, well, anytime that, well, God was doing the marking, but he said, I'm going to judge these people. Uh, and anybody that doesn't have the mark of God on their foreheads is going to die. What was the criteria for the mark of God on their foreheads? Yes, sir. They, they had, yes, they had to hate sin. Not just be sin free, not just live holy lives. And he said, start in the temple. And the priesthood and the temple didn't get marks. And God marked their forehead if they abhorred sin. In a general sense, not just for themselves or how it affects them. This is where the church is different in today's society than what Scripture says. The church, for the most part, kind of stays away from sin. But we don't hate it. At the very least, at the very least, we tolerate it. But I would say we partake and dabble in it uh, more than we just tolerate it. Because we don't hate it. We don't hate it. Give me, give me an example or two of how we know we don't hate it. Well, we watch. We can watch, we can watch blatant sexual acts. We have a term for this called pornography. Um, but because it's an R-rated movie, it's not pornography. Pornography is something you get online or in, in my day, you, you'd go to magazines in the store or something like that. You... We don't, we don't call it pornography, but it's blatant nudity and sexuality. Right? In fact, I saw a thing. You know, you have all this stuff on the side of the uh, screen sometimes when you're, when you're going through news sites or stuff like that. You have all these other stuff. And one of them jumped out at me because it never had clicked in my head. And when it clicked in my head, it bothered me so much. I mean, I, I, I obviously didn't click on anything, but it bothered me so much. It said, movie actors that actually had sex during their sex scenes. You know what that's called? Porn. It's called porn. And, and we just watch that stuff all the time. We'll pay for it. As long as we've got a bucket of popcorn, I'm good. It's not sin if you've got popcorn. Right? This is, this is not, this is the exact opposite of what Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, he said, if they hate sin, put my mark on their forehead. If they hate sin. If they go to the inside 
It moves them. It moves them emotionally. It hurts them. There are, you know, there's this group called QAnon. And uh, my, my, my son, my oldest again, uh, my oldest is like, you know, that coot group, QAnon and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not a QAnon guy. I'm, there's a, I think they're a little bit weird in some things. But I asked him, um, probably again today, I don't remember when it was, but I asked him, I said, do you actually know like the main number one thing that QAnon exists, why they exist? Do you know the number one reason? And I, and I, I, I kind of stumbled across QAnon about a year, no, it was more than that, it was about two and a half years ago, something like that. Does anybody know what is the number one thing that they exist for? I, I'm hearing a lot of voices, but I can't understand what you're saying. Sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Um, mostly in Washington, D.C., in our leadership of Washington, D.C., congressmen, senators, all that kind of stuff, and in Hollywood, that the most powerful and the most wealthy people in our country are the most blatant um, uh, child sexual abusers and child sexual traffickers and slave traffickers and stuff like that in our country. Now, then the other stuff is they're going to make this army with Trump, and Trump started QAnon. I don't really think he did. But all this other stuff, that's where you go, all right, whatever. But at least there's, there's people that are saying this is an issue we need to address because nobody else is. We're not seeing this stuff happening. There, there, there's a guy I met about a year and a half ago that does, that he, that this is what he does for a living. He works for a private corporation that's financed by wealthy people. That he travels around the world and gets people out of, gets kids out of sex trafficking and, uh, and all this stuff, and, and even in the United States and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and, he, and I asked the guy, I said, so you like carry guns and shoot people? He says, you know, we try to stay away from shooting people because kids will get caught in the crossfire and stuff like that. He says, we wait for them to walk outside when they're alone. I was like, I so want to do the job with you that you are doing. I, I, I say this unequivocally, judge me for it however you want. I have no problem shooting a sex trafficker. I, I wouldn't even blink. I, it wouldn't even bother me a little bit. But our society is just kind of deaf to this. It's kind of deaf. Because God is going to judge this stuff. He is going to. And they had not accepted their mark on the forehead. Satan copies. Satan copies everything. Satan copies the Trinity. Uh, Antichrist, false prophet, the beast. Copies the Trinity. Satan copies everything. Copies the mark on the forehead. Why? Why does, God, why does Satan copy the mark on the forehead? Because the Jews that don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and don't believe in the New Testament will buy into the mark on the forehead because it's, it's Old Testament biblical. But Satan twists it and he perverts it. They all came to life again. These are the people that are beheaded, right? They all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you like to see that? I hope they had their heads. But wouldn't that be cool? Some of you are like, I need to see if they do. Where is that in scripture? It doesn't say. Do they have their heads? Lord, I need to know this. <laughs> this is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years has ended. Now there's my little bit of conundrum for, I, I, I know what this is saying. I assume it's complete, but I don't know that it's complete. Is I, I, I'm, I know that that sentence is talking about the dead that are not in Christ, right? It doesn't specifically say that, though. There's where, this is where there's a little bit of ambiguity for me in my spirit. I think there's some other places in Scripture that handle it enough for me, but it doesn't say it here, which bothers me. Does that mean that the dead in Christ, um, that, that are not beheaded like they died during the tribulation, but they're not beheaded, do they stay in the grave until the tribulations? I mean, until the thousand-year reign is over? You see that? You see why I'm saying that? And by the way, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Those are the, <laughs> these are the things that keep me up at night. Right, I read a sentence like that, and I'm like, I cannot let this rest. I must know the answer to this. But it doesn't actually say, but I'm assuming it's talking about the dead that were not in Christ. Okay? Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. You get to priest alongside of Jesus for a thousand years. Wow. 
Part of the reason I think this has been milling around in my spirit and my head for so long is because with everything going on this earth, sometimes it can get so big, you, you don't know what to do with it. It seems to be so overwhelming, which, which again, it doesn't have to be, guys. Don't, don't, you don't have to be worried and scared about all this stuff. You should be frustrated. You should be angry. Not like raid the Capitol building angry. Not like put on Viking horns angry. But angry enough to say this is not okay. We, we've just lost, well, depending on what happens by the 20th, we just lost our republic. We don't have a democratic republic anymore. We just don't. Um, that should concern you, should make you angry and all this kind of stuff, but it should not make you afraid. You should not be afraid. You have $600 coming to you from the government. My wife has been needing a knee surgery. Now we can afford it. But I'm, I'm serious about that. Don't be afraid. Guys, you understand. I, I make little jokes about it, but there's no reason to. Being afraid accomplishes what? Nothing. Being worried accomplishes what? Nothing. Just, it just makes you upset. It just makes you sick. It just gives you ulcers. It doesn't do anything else. It doesn't accomplish anything, so don't. Just don't. Just choose. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be worried about this stuff. Why? Because Jesus, if Jesus can resurrect hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people, he can take care of you right now. If, if he can finance kingdoms, he can take care of your finances. All, just, you just go down the line. Anything you, you think, oh no, this is pretty big. Think about what Jesus has done and what God has done in history. If nothing else, he created the planet you're standing on. If he can create terra firma, he can take care of you. But we've got we to gotta convince ourselves of that sometimes, don't we? I know I do. Sometimes I forget that. I forget, wait, God, you're, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than this. He'd... Okay, so here's where it gets good. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be led out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations. He just talked about that. Called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle. Mighty armor is numberless, as numberless as sands along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people <clears throat> and the beloved city. You know, this is not the battle of Armageddon, right? Okay. But fire came down from heaven and on the attacking armies and consume them. It's almost like God said, I've already fought one battle. I don't have time. Whoa. And you know what? It's what they get. You think you can go and attack God and stick your finger in his face? Man. Arrogance. Just evil arrogance. So God torches them. <clears throat> but the fire came down and the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There's your, there's your fake trinity. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is called hell. Okay? Why, why do you think I'm saying it that way? This is called hell. There are a lot of people who don't believe in hell. I come across people all the time, Christians, and say, well, I don't really believe in hell. I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's pretty clear here. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged According to what they had done as recorded in the books, and I've talked about it, I don't want to spend time on that tonight, but there's more than one book when it comes to our judging our life and, and, our, and our act and our actions and, and all that kind of stuff. There's a book of life that, that, that judges whether we're covered with the blood of Jesus, and that is access into heaven or not. The other books are open up to because God judges us on what we've done. Because there's reasons as we go into eternity. I, 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 don't, I haven't said this as much in the last handful of years, but you say this all the time. Earth is boot camp for eternity. It's not the real thing. 
You're going through stuff. You're going through challenges. You're going through tribulations, trials, and all that kind of stuff. You're being tested, and you're, you're taken through the fire and all that stuff. But it is only boot camp. It's this long. And then you go into God's force, the armies of God and all that kind of stuff. And then you are given authority and responsibility or to use to, uh, um, now term rank and stuff like that. Um, that's why I've heard people all my life say, well, even if I just get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, I'm okay. I don't understand that kind of thinking. I've never wanted to do anything by the skin of my teeth. In fact, I brush that skin off as much as possible. I don't even know what it is, but I don't want it. But when I get to eternity, I want to have shown myself approved on this earth. I want to prove to God, God, I love you. Jesus, I'm your servant. I want to do what you've asked me to do. And then whatever God decides when I step into eternity is up to him. But I don't want to be lazy and, 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 and just wander around through this planet. We were talking about this just a few days ago because remember somebody that was um, addicted to drugs and doing all this kind of stuff. I said, you know, the sad thing is, is they're spending their whole life. They get one life, one shot at this thing. And that's what they're choosing. You get one shot. And then you're going to stand before God. You get one shot. And you stand before God. And we spend hours on Facebook. You get one shot. One. How many hours, back in my day it wasn't Facebook, how many hours do you spend in front of the TV? Hours but we get one shot. And when we step into eternity, we're going to be judged for the stuff. And then I believe you're given positions of authority and responsibility and rank and stuff like that. I'm probably not using the right words for what it actually is going to be, but that's the best I can use now. Right? One shot, guys. Live this life. As, as Paul says, my, my life is, is poured out as an offering. Man, I love that. You, you, know, where, you know where Paul gets that from, why he uses that terminology? poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. Remember when David sent the spies in? And they, they crawled through the sewer and all this kind of stuff. Not, not, I'm, I'm just went the wrong direction. David said, he was sitting there and they'd been in battle, and he said, you know, if I just had some water from this well, and it was an enemy territory, and these guys snuck over and then brought the, the wineskin back full of uh, water from that well. And for years I didn't understand this. I thought, David, you're a jerk. But David takes this water, and, and instead of drinking it, he pours it out. And he's saying, I can't drink this. How dare I drink the water that you risked your life for, that you gave everything for, so that I can sit here and be slightly refreshed? He said, how selfish would I be at that moment? So he pours it out. And Paul says, that's my life. That's what I mean. That's my life. My life is just the drink. It's just the water poured out. If I could just be that, it would be amazing. Just pour my life out. Right? Powerful stuff. <clears throat> Where was I before you guys interrupted? The sea gave up its dead and death, and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then, here's the, here's the great kicker. And death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I don't totally understand that, death and the grave. Because to me, those are not um, entities, per se. They're locations or whatever. But apparently in the spiritual realm, death and the grave. Now, death, I can also kind of understand it. He, I, know, I know what he looks like. I've seen movies, big guy, big, uh, what's that, a Sith or whatever that's called it? The Grim Reaper, right. What is the big thing in his hand? Scythe. Sickle? Whatever. Um, I, know what I know what death looks like. But the grave, what does the grave look like? But apparently, according to that, I mean, I make them jokes, but apparently death and the grave are some kind of physical entities that in the spiritual realm are, are something that can be seen by God. And God says, you're cast into the lake of fire too. It's not just... Uh, locations or state of life or not life, right? Something much bigger than that. And death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, which is not the other books, uh, was thrown into the lake of fire. If somebody says to you, there's no such thing as hell, 
to take them right here. It's too important for them to know that, no, that's a real thing. And you need to know that. You don't need to be afraid of it. And it's not, um, it's not rehabilitative. I know people, and, and sometimes, well, a lot, oftentimes Catholicism leans this way, but I know people that think that you can work your way out of hell. I guess if you make enough license plates or something. I don't know what you're doing there, but, but you can work your way out of hell. And I think some of it comes from Dante, right? Some of the way that he describes the layers, and you can move up and down in layers. Stuff like that. But guys, uh, hell is not rehabilitative. It's punitive. And just accept Jesus now, and you're okay. You don't have to worry about it. Just accept Jesus. All right, so how should we, how should we pray about this? What's going on in your spirit? It's got to be a lot of stuff. What's happening? Nothing? Pray, pray along those lines, God, secure that in my spirit. Allison? Guys, we have to get to. We have to make sure that in our heart, we're not giving up on anybody. You know, we need to. We need to pray and take the opportunity to witness to anybody who comes across, even if their beliefs are exactly the opposite. Even if you're sitting at lunch and somebody says, "Hey, uh, I'm with this group called Antifa. Who are you?" You know, pray. God, give me a chance. Maybe, maybe I can rescue them from that. You know. So yeah, we've got to make sure of that. And an urgency. There's got to be an urgency. It's got to be an urgency. I, I've been praying that for all of us for a while. God, give us an urgency. Yeah. Anything else? Yes, sir. Yeah. That, that should be like the defining thing. We should put that like as our, our tag statements for most churches in America. Come to church at Briargate. We're trying to not be lazy. Right? We're doing the best we can. We're better than most churches. <laughs> you know, that, that's probably not a good title on them. But, <clears throat> but, I mean, that just defines the American church. We're just lazy and sluggish and comfortable and self-focused. Man, stir us out of that. Stir us out. Nothing else? We are his witnesses. No angels, you know, squirrels, that kind of, it's us. We're his witness. All right, let's pray. God, we, we commit ourselves to you. Jesus, you're the amazing king. Lord, we're going to rule and reign with you for eternity. We're going to rule and reign with you in, in, battle of, uh, in the millennial reign. Lord, we want to we practice now serving you and, and doing the things that you've asked. We want to practice bowing. We want to practice submitting ourselves. God, being that, that priesthood, we want to practice that now. That you're the king and we surrender to you. Lord, just wash us clean. Cover us with your blood and wash us clean. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you stir within us a, um, a sense of um, righteousness and holiness that that makes us disgusted by sin. Lord, stop helping us just be okay with it. Lord, we, we are just like all through Scripture where they just, they didn't tear down the high places. They didn't tear down all of the, the, the altars to Baal and they kept some of them. Lord, help us not to be that. Stir us that, that, we, will, that we will be disgusted by sin and so, so desirous of pulling people out of sin.
Lord, we pray for our hearts for you and our, our, um, our attitude towards you. Lord, we want to have a confidence that you're our king. And like we sang, Lord, that it is truly well in our soul because of you. Because of you. God, bless our country. Lord, I, I know that the spiritual strongholds are strong through our country. They're just they're strong. But God, you can break them. You can destroy them. You can, you can put them into dust. Lord, stir the church. Stir your people. Stir your body to pray so that we can tear down these strongholds. And now, Lord, we pray all of this for your glory. For your glory. Help us to shout your name from the rooftops. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, see you Sunday. <laughs>